What is up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks, powered by the nation and their podcast network. Be sure to go check out our other friends over at Talking Tech, Ramble Raiders, the whole crew. Uh, football season is near, so we've got lots of different things going on with these podcasts. Be sure to check us out. Uh, today is August 2nd. We are here recording. Uh, we've got some conference realignment news. We've got some of course we uh, do. basketball coaching news, and then we're going to be diving into the second half of Texas Tech football schedule, looking at each opponent and going through that breakdown. So a lot to cover in this episode, episode 191. Uh, football season is ramping up. The schedule over the next few weeks will record probably early next week. As next week is wedding week, and then we will be off the following week. So expect something next week. But the n- next week after that, I will be out honeymooning. So no episode that week, and then we'll get back at it as the football season gets closer and closer. And to catch everything we're doing here at Tailgate Talks, as football season draws nearer, you got to follow us. Follow us on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, five stars for the Tailgate. And if you listen to us on Apple Leave us a review. Also, follow our social media accounts. We are on Twitter or X or whatever it is called now, at tailgate underscore talks. Uh, give us a follow there. That's where we do most of our posting. Uh, but we also have Instagram, Facebook, and a YouTube channel where we'll be posting videos throughout the football season. So give that a follow there. Uh, and lastly, if you have anything to add to the tailgate, any questions comments or things you want us to discuss on the tailgate you can always email us at tailgate talks pod at gmail.com so with all that said let's go ahead and get into this week's episode we're gonna start this thing off right Well, last week after we recorded, of course, some news came out uh, after we had a whole podcast to record. Uh, Literally right after we recorded. Right after I edited everything, had it ready to go, news broke that Colorado was looking to join the Big 12 Conference, and it seemed all but inevitable. And sure enough, a day later, on Thursday of last week, it became official news that in 2024, the Colorado Buffaloes will be back in the Big 12 Conference as yeah. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark uh, had an awesome post where he just said they're back. Uh, definite Mike Jop uh, kind of moment from him there. Dustin, our friends, our former friends from the Big 12, went did a little yeah. stint in the Pac-12 for a while, and now they are coming back home to the Big 12 Conference. How do you feel? I mean, I'm excited they're back just for the Big 12's sake because yeah. this almost inevitably puts nails and some starts putting nails in coffins of Pac-12. You know, they lost their two biggest UCLA and USC players, and then Colorado jumped ship just now, and they seemingly can't put together a TV package for a way to watch their games, and that's pretty much their demise right now in Colorado's like, you know, we're not going to yeah. sit sit on our hands and wait around. We're getting out of here. And yeah, it really just solidifies the Big 12 as we're going to stay as one of these power however many conferences there ends up being. But I think you have enough 
area coverage and teams to like keep yourself going for the future here. And that's the biggest part, especially for Texas tech going yeah. forward, being a somewhat strong conference right now. I mean, Brett Yormark is running circles around this Pac-12 commissioner. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. stupid how bad it is. And thank God we have Yormark now. I mean, in his one year, he's done glorious yeah. things for the Big 12. I mean, think of two years ago when Texas and Oklahoma announced we're leaving. I mean, everybody thought. It was over. And in the, in the Pac-12 thought they were going to poach some teams and become the new Big West-type conference. And then they didn't. They didn't want us because our our academics yeah. weren't good enough for them, and they didn't want us. And we'll look at you now with you and your academics over there, Stanford and Cal. How's that treating you? Yeah, it couldn't happen to a better conference, in my opinion. Like that, they're just so that was their so reason. snobby over there. That West Coast elitism, and uh, it's kind of backfired. They've had two chances. The Pac-12 yeah. had two chances in the last decade yes. to sink the Big Twelve. And it ultimately might yeah. be the Big 12 that sinks the Pac-12, which is crazy because you think back to the original realignment in 2011, yeah. there was a whole Pac-16 thing that was floated about where right. Texas and Oklahoma, us and Oklahoma State jumped over to the Pac-12. Um, and then that was just going to be the super conference, and they didn't do it then. Yeah. I think ESPN had a big hand in that. ESPN wanted to, Texas to stay in the Big 12, gave them their own network. So. Um, yeah, that might have not been the Pac-12's fault there, but here they had the chance again. Like you said, you go back to Texas and Oklahoma. It looked like the Big 12 was over. Um, yeah, I definitely was sure. nervous. I know a lot of the remaining eight teams had to be nervous, but here you are two years later, and you've lost two teams, and now you've added five into the conference, and so right. you're sitting pretty. Thirteen, um, thirteen teams, and to have Colorado come back—that's just like that's a the big first domino. I was getting so tired of conference realignment talk. We had discussed it earlier in this, this summer, how we're just like wanting something to happen. And so finally to have that first piece fall with it being Colorado, a familiar foe. Yeah. I've been out there a few times for games. It's a place I'd love to go back to uh, Deion Sanders, uh, all, you know, all that he brings with the football program there. It's a great ad. Uh, and ultimately now, pushes those other pack nine teams to make a decision. And that's kind of where we're at now is waiting for who's the next domino to fall. One more thing on just Colorado specifically. I don't think like them entirely as athletics is a great ad, even football wise, but them being a former member with some good history, Deion Sanders. And it's just a numbers game yeah. at this point. Like it's a numbers game. We went from, what we just had 12 going into next this year and now we have 13 and the pack has nine and it's no one's moving west they're coming back this way that's all it is and so yeah it's good for Dion to get more eyes on them yep. this way and it adds another state but, to the big 12's footprint which is the goal is right right you're trying to cover more and more states that's why arizona is the big big next like what what are they going to do I'm shocked that they haven't already jumped ship. I figured as soon as the Colorado yeah. stuff hit that they would be like, all right, we're out because I mean, I don't know what, what the pack nine or 12, if they try to get it to 12 is going to be able to offer. It seems like all the TV deals are trash. It seems like they're going to end up on a streaming Very service um, and, and going to be dependent on subscriptions and stuff like that. So it seems like 
water and they can't even get you a deal they can't even get you a guaranteed deal it's been over a year and a half no. it seems like of this of this going back and forth um the next big domino looks like it's arizona but you also got oregon washington arizona state utah a lot of schools like that that have been kind of flirting with it um what do you how do you see this falling out what do you want to see fall out uh with this kind of next you know, few weeks, it seems like of going to be discussing of whether Arizona jumps ship or who else uh, follows Colorado over to the big 12. I mean, I think Arizona has to jump ship. Like I said, it's a numbers game at yeah. this point. No one's going to the pack. <clears throat> they just, San Diego state just backed out of that, whatever deal they did or didn't have with them. And so like, if you have a deal on the table with the big 12, just come yeah. on, go do it. And, like you gotta you gotta leave at this point, I think. Yeah, I don't know why they're dragging their feet. There's more stability here in the Big Twelve conference. There's more guaranteed like staying power now. If you add an Arizona, you're at fourteen schools. Arizona leaving the yep. pack nine now is another domino that now it's eight schools. Now what do Oregon, Washington do? Do now Oregon and Washington look <laughs> yeah. to get out actively. Do they try to latch on to the Big Ten or Big do they Ten. take what would probably the Big 12 would o open, uh, welcome them with open arms to the Big 12 if they decided to make that uh, make that jump. So uh, it's definitely like all the cards are in your hand right now. It's just kind of waiting to waiting for Arizona yeah. to decide. That seems like the next domino, and whatever decision that they make, uh, it'll be the either the Pac nine or eight or whatever it is at that point falls apart, um, and then um, you know Big 12 becomes like the third powerful conference. It's all very interesting to see. It's exciting to actually have some news to discuss. A new team in the Big 12, yeah. new blood, um, even though it's familiar blood back in the conference. Uh, will be interesting to see what happens next, but definitely excited for what Brett Yormark has done uh, in keeping this conference yeah. around, not letting it die uh, when it seemed like that was no the possibility. And he's turned us into a, uh, the the heavyweight here with kind of all the, all the power right now. And so you love to see that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, right now that's all the news we have. I'm sure after we're done recording and get this episode ready to go, Arizona will make the move. <laughs> uh, that just seems how it'll go, great. but, uh, we'll be here to report anything that comes across, um, as news comes across, but now it's time to dive back into Texas Tech's football, um, opponents break down and we got the second half of the season coming up so let's go uh discuss the teams that we'll be facing in the second half of this upcoming season somebody turn on some damn All right, last week we talked about the first half of Texas Tech's upcoming 2023 season which featured teams like Oregon uh, of course, you're kicking off the season at Wyoming and then uh, your Big 12 schedule with at West Virginia, uh, home versus Houston and at Baylor. And so this episode, we're going to dive into the second half of the season, the final six games of this upcoming season for the Red Raiders, which features a home game versus Kansas State. Then you at BYU, you get a bye week between BYU and your Thursday nighter against TCU at home. And then you finish off the season at Kansas, home versus UCF, and at Texas. So uh, I'm going to get us started with our first opponent starting the second half of the season, and that's 
the last year's Big 12 champions, that's Kansas State and the Wildcats, come to town. Uh, last year, they went 9-3 and three in the regular season, uh, winning the Big 12 championship game against TCU and then losing to Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, good for a 10-4 and four record, going 7-2 and two in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, their last meeting with Texas Tech, of course, a lot of us will remember um, that was Whistlegate game uh, <laughs> that came down to the, the miscellaneous whistle that was blown that caused the officials oh, to yeah. uh, panic, make a bad call, seemed like. But ultimately, Kansas State got the 37-28 win over the Red Raiders in Manhattan. They were led by Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. On the ground in that game, Donovan Smith started for you. Uh, Kansas State has won seven straight games against you in this series, uh, so this is one of those games that you're looking to kind of get back in the fight in this series, which has been uh, dominated by Kansas State for uh, the last decade plus. Uh, Chris Kleiman comes in for his fifth season, uh, and Kansas State over the last four seasons has won eight games or more in three of them. That fourth season was the COVID outlier, so... Uh, this has been a team that's been uh, used to winning uh, and consistently winning eight games, which is something that you haven't done since uh, Mike Leach was your coach here. So uh, some things that you would like to get on the right side of, uh, and it kind of starts with this Kansas State team, I think. Um, last year, they were the epitome of uh, a balanced offense. They had 2,947 pass yards, and they had 2,916 rushing yards. Almost dead even on that run. Uh, of course, they lose Adrian Martinez, but that doesn't matter a whole lot because Will Howard took over for them. He played the last seven games for the Wildcats last year. Uh, he threw for 15 touchdowns to just four interceptions, two of those interceptions coming against Alabama in their bowl game in just his seven games of work. He's definitely more of a passing threat than Adrian Martinez was. Martinez was their second leading rusher. Um, wasn't really known oh, yeah. for his passing game, but Will Howard definitely adds that dimension to this Kansas State offense. Um, rushing, you know, we know Kansas State's going to want to run the ball. They lose Deuce Vaughn, who was the catalyst for their offense, both running and passing. He's now a Dallas Cowboy. Um, and then, you know, Adrian Martinez was their second leading rusher. Uh, so both of those guys are gone, but in comes DJ Giddens, who was also in the backfield last year. He scored... Uh, six times for them and average six yards per carry. So he uh, was able to do some good stuff for them in a limited role. Uh, but the big the big running back for them and the new star that they're thinking is going to be the Florida State transfer, Treshawn Ward, uh, who looks to take over that starting running back role uh, and kind of do what we are familiar with Kansas State running backs is just uh, dominate, put up lots of yards and be the catalyst for their offense uh, Receiver-wise, their top receiver is gone. Malik Knowles, he uh, left for the NFL, but their second-leading pass catcher, Phillip Brooks, returns to the team. Uh, he's a smaller guy and going to lead the team from the slot. Uh, also, their tight end, Ben Sinat, is back, and he has the ability to stretch the field on the offense. But one of the key pieces they brought in is Iowa transfer Keegan Johnson, who is a deep threat who's looking to actually be on an offense that can move the ball. As he said, he was on Iowa last year, a team that famously was <laughs> unable to really move the ball at all. Uh, and so he's probably got to be excited to be on an offense with a quarterback that can uh, spread the ball around and move the ball downfield. Uh, but all of that is beneath what the offensive line is. The offensive line is the strongest part of this entire team. They returned 
their whole offensive line, which was really good last year, um, which, you know, they were able to lead the way for over 200 yards rushing a game, um, protecting the quarterback, protecting the running back. Uh, their whole unit is back. Uh, Cooper Bebe is their first uh, is their potential first round pick who leads that offensive line. They also have Hayden Gillum, uh, KT Leviston are also stars on that offensive line. And then they got Handley Panzer, which is just a fantastic name for right. offensive lineman and Christian Duffy uh, at center. So uh, they have a lot on that offensive line, a lot of experience. They're going to be really good up front. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat them there. And they also got some depth to sustain any injuries that they might face on that offensive line. Defense also was steady for Kent State last year. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. As we know, Kent State, they they typically play clean on both sides of the ball. Um, they did feel some big losses, uh, definitely in their secondary, which is becoming a theme for most of the teams that I think we're talking about. Is there, uh, They lost Drake Cheatham, Josh Hayes, and Julius Brintz. They are all gone. Uh, but they do return Kobe Savage, who uh, is going to be probably one of the best safeties in the Big 12. But the rest of their secondary is going to be young and some transfers that they're hoping that can help and and really be spark plugs for them real, really quickly. Um, last year, they also lost their best pass rusher, who is now a Kansas City Chief, and Felix Nduke Uzoma. Um, so they're going to have to replace that, but they got Miss Mississippi state transfer Javon banks. They got a 340 pounder clog in the middle. Um, then they've got Ooh. some other guys that they're looking to, uh, kind of fill in roles there. So they should be deep at that front. They might not have the talent that Felix and Uzoma was, uh, but the guy that you can look for to try to fill that role, his name is Khalid Duke. Um, he, is he was injured in 2021 kind of had a bounce back season last year but is really like fully healthy for the first time and so he's kind of that guy who's going to be that big pass rusher for them and linebacker uh pretty much the same thing just returning experience they return austin moore who led the team in tackles last year had 10 tackles for loss they return daniel green who provides a lot of size up the middle and then they've got a juco transfer and Terry Kirksey, who's looking to be impactful for that linebacker crew. So uh, once again, just another deep roster. Um, you know, Kansas State wins the Big 12 last year. Uh, whatever they lose, they're replacing now in the portal or with guys who are already there and getting that experience. And so for Kansas State this year, it's just about maintaining that success that they had last year to not drop off, you know, show that it wasn't a fluke season, that, that they can be maybe the top dog in this conference after Oklahoma and Texas depart because another Big 12 title type season for them could really establish them as maybe the top tier team in the conference. And so that's what they're looking to do. Um, it'll be a similar Kent State team as we're, we're used to, just going to be really competitive, not going to make mistakes and going to make you make the mistakes to hurt yourself. And so uh, you can expect that from them. It'll be a huge game, uh, one that you're hoping you can uh, get a win against them and not go to eight straight losses. And then that leads us to one of our, our more exciting road trips this season. And Dustin, you got that one. Yeah, Kansas State's always tough. After them, we will go make a trip up to BYU on October 21st. They are making the switch from being an independent, no, no conference squad to the Big 12. Um, in their, I believe, third year of Kalani Sataki. They went 8-5 and five last year. They've had a good run under him. So, very solid team. They are replacing quite a few guys, but their offense reloaded really, really well. 
uh, with transfers Keaton Slovis from Pitt and USC. Yep. He's played at those places for four years, a lot of good experience there. And then transfer from Louisville at running back Aiden Robinson. They're filling in some big shoes that got left there. They did lose their four biggest offensive weapons from last year. Um, like I said, replaced them with those two big guys. Their receivers, probably their weakest group out of all this. They're capable, but if they get some injuries, they're going to be pretty thin yep. and struggling at that point. Um, their O-line is, is really, really good, and they have all Big 12 potential guy. Kingsley Sua Mataia. All right. Nailed Maybe it. I got Nailed it right. <laughs> I think I did pretty good there. He's a massive 6'6", 315-pound tackle. Going to be a first-round pick come next year. I think he's the best lineman in the Big 12 next year as well. And so, like you mentioned in the um, Kansas State one, I think our theme for this whole second half is going to be a lot of really good offensive yeah, yeah. lines and offenses to, yeah. coming back this year. <laughs> Lots and lots of good guys returning on the O-line and offense in general. So they reloaded pretty well on offense. Um, they were at like 36, 30-some points a game last year, so trying to reload there. Their problem at BYU, their defense was 97th in the country last year. Not great. They pretty much fired everybody on that defensive staff, brought in almost a whole new defense, defensive coordinator. And so they've just reloaded with a whole bunch of transfers to try to fill some spots. And they bring back their best best linebacker, Ben Bywater. So hopefully he can lock it down for them. Um, fun fact about Texas Tech and BYU, we are undefeated against right. them at 1-0. Right. Hey. We beat them 21-20 to in the big battle of 1940. Just a few years ago. <laughs> so... We're undefeated against BYU, so let's remember that when BYU week comes around. Nice. <laughs> but then, yeah, once we come back from BYU, we luckily get get a week off until we have a big Thursday game. TCU coming here. Yeah, that's, I think uh, one of our, the things we like to discuss on this show is where the bye week falls. So while we have the chance, do you like where this oh, bye yeah. week falls, Dustin? A um, little late for my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I do like that they gave it to us before they gave us the Thursday game. At least, you know, we got that yeah. that kind of bye week. That's like the NFL bye week when they give those Thursday games. They'll give you a bye week beforehand. So you get like a week and a half off rather than the full two weeks before your next game. But it's a little late. I know last year we had the perfect like six yeah. games, right bye week, middle. six yeah. games. This one's a little later which maybe that helps us. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, I'd like it another week or two yeah. before, but I think yeah. it's in a good place. I think it definitely can gear you up for that final stretch of TCU, Kansas, UCF, and Texas, I think. And, and you kind of get, you get two right. week and a half off because you play Thursday and then you're off another like week and a half before you play again uh, and travel to Kansas. So I think like, considering the teams that are stacked around this buy, I think it's a, a good place uh, for it. And so yeah, uh, hopefully we take advantage of it because TCU comes to Lubbock on a Thursday nighter, uh, which will be fun. You'll have the whole eyes of the college football world watching this one. Uh, TCU, of course, last year went 12 and 0 in the regular season before losing to Kansas state in the big 12 championship, but then went on to make the college football playoff defeating Michigan 
and losing to Georgia by by a couple touchdowns um, <laughs> in the national championship, going 13-2 and two overall last year in uh, what was a, a Cinderella run for the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, last year, another game people remember for some calls that did not go your way that affected the outcome of this game in a 34-24 loss uh, to the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth. Um, that that roughing the passer call with Tyree Wilson still stands yeah. out as a potential game changer right there. But ultimately, TCU's won four straight against you, another purple team that's just kind of dominated this series over the last decade and a team that you really need to get a win against and to have that opportunity here at home on a Thursday night. Uh, it's going to be a raucous crowd and going to be a, a, a good opportunity for you to get that win. Um, Sonny Dykes returns for his second season, but enter Kendall Browse at offensive coordinator as Garrett Riley, uh, you know, left uh, for a better job opportunity and enter Kendall Bryles, a name we're all familiar with, the son of Art Bryles. Um, I think that hire was pretty maligned by a lot of people, but, you know, we'll see how that works out. Uh Last year's offense, a lot of, you know, relied on Max Dugan, Quentin Johnson, um, and, and that duo, uh, quarterback receiver duo. They were able to hit on big plays at the right time. They were able to come up clutch in a lot of very close games, and their offense averaged 39 points per game. That's pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I expect to see that from them this year. Of course, Max Dugan is gone to the NFL. Uh, and enter Chandler Morris at quarterback, who was the starter at the beginning of the year last year when they started off the season against Colorado. He started in that game, got hurt. Max Dugan entered, and the rest is history uh, for that. Yeah. But he is back and looking to take over the quarterback position. There's not really not much to know about Chandler Morris other than he transferred from Oklahoma. He started last year. Didn't look super great when he started before he got hurt. So I don't really know what the strengths are Chandler Morris, if he's going to be a passer dual threat, if he's very similar to what Max Dugan brought to that offense, which was uh, the ability to run the ball pretty well, but also uh, a steady passer, pocket passer, can create plays with his legs. So it will be interesting to see what Chandler Morris does at the quarterback position for them this year. Wide, room, wide receiver room took a big hit. Quentin Johnson off to the league, several other guys off to the league. Uh, their leading receiver that returns from last year, Savion Williams, he'll look to replace uh, some of those big plays that Quentin Johnson made. Uh, all Big 12 tight end Jared Wiley is back, uh, but they plugged a lot of those wide receiver holes with a lot of transfers. Uh, J.P. Richardson from Oklahoma State, Jack Beck from LSU, and JoJo Earl from Alabama. A school I'll mention several times here with this team. All will be in that receiver room, so... Uh, I don't expect a huge drop-off. They still got a lot of talented guys, and as long as Chandler Morris can get them the ball, that receiver room should be uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, another Alabama transfer in the form of Trey Sanders at running back uh, will lead the running back room there, a guy that they're pretty excited about. They had to fill that role. Like I cannot remember the guy's name um, who was their running back last year, who was really, really, really good. Um, he'll replace that role. I'm sure TCU will have some success on the running uh, on the running game with Trey Sanders, a Alabama transfer. Uh, 
that's all because our O-line is just going to be uh, good again. Uh, that Their offensive line was really good last year. It'll be really good this year. They got two stars on the line in Brandon Coleman and Andrew Coker, who are really good. They got Jackson State transfer in Willis Parker, who is ready to go and going to be a, a pretty good force at this level. And then they got another Alabama transfer. <laughs> Uh, plugging holes with just a bunch of Alabama guys isn't the worst thing in the world. Tommy Brockermeyer will be kind of a versatile lineman who will just kind of they'll plug in wherever they need him most. And so expect their offensive line to be really good again. Expect this offense to be really talented and move the ball and be a problem once again. Maybe not as good as last year's, but still pretty good. Defensively, uh, they that's where they struggled a little bit last year was on the defensive side of the ball, but really they return a lot of experience. Their defense should be stronger this season. Uh, they returned both of their linebackers who combined for over 150 tackles last year in Johnny Hodges and Jamoy Hodge. Uh, they lead the way there. Uh, their front should be very good again. TCU always has a pretty good front defensive line. Uh, that'll be led by 320-pounder Demonic Williams. He will be... Uh, plugging up holes there in the middle. And then uh, the big part for them defensively is they're going to be looking for who fills that pass rush last season. They, that was Dylan Horton, but he is gone. And so that's probably their big question mark is who's going to fill that role for them. Um, but their secondary lost their best cornerback, but they also replaced him with the Florida transfer in Avery Helm. So that'll be all right. And then they return uh, one of their other starting quarterbacks in Josh Newton and both of their safeties. Mark Perry and Millard Bradford, who are both guys who could be uh, all-conference players at the end of this year. So uh, a lot of experience returning for TCU on the defensive end, which will be very beneficial to them. Uh, if you remember the Georgia-Michigan game, they they were hard to get stops. And so I think that experience and talent and, of course, bringing in some much-needed transfers on both sides of the ball, TCU should be pretty good again. I don't think they're going to win the conference or go 12-0 and like they did last year, but they're going to be very competitive. I would expect them to be in the Big 12 title race. Um, but uh, the key for them is just to, you know, not make last season look like a fluke. You know, keep back it up, have another really good season, be very competitive, win a lot of games, and just keep this thing rolling uh, for Sonny Dykes. Kendry Miller Kendry is the Miller. running back you're looking for. 1,400 rushing yards and 17 touchdowns last year. I was going to say Kendrick Davis, but uh, I think that was a basketball player. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah, he left, and so um, enter Alabama transfers everywhere uh, for, for this TCU yeah. team. So that'll be a big home game for the Red Raiders, hopefully to get on the right track of this rivalry, get a win at home uh, in front of what will be a packed Jones would be nice. Because uh, then you are back on the road uh, to face uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the league in the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, going at Kansas. I'm actually excited to talk about Kansas because they should be pretty good yeah. this year. They were hot last year, finished at six and seven. That's because stud starting quarterback and returning quarterback Jalen Daniels comes back. He is picked to be player of the conference this year. Yeah, that Kansas quarterback is picked yeah. to be player of the conference. I said that correctly. He actually led the nation in total QBR last year in those games that he played. So not just a runner. He can throw it too, but his running ability makes him such an X factor out there. I mean, during their third year of Lance Leipold, he's a hot new coach on the block that everybody loves right now. 
really, really good for them. Their offensive coordinators back as well. They were scoring almost 36 points a game last year. Um, Ten starters come back on offense, and lots of the backups come back as well. And they got a really good offensive line transfer that might even sub in at one of those O-line spots. But, yeah, Jalen Daniels is back. He's going to bring a lot of production. Devin Neal is back. He was was a 1,000-yard rusher before his injury happened. All of their receivers are back and tight ends are back. Um, their two big ones there are going to be Lawrence Arnold and Luke Grimm. So their offense, very potent, very lethal, especially with X-Factor Jalen Daniels running that show. And it's going to be just like last year, injuries and health, you know, similar to us, um, kind of actually steer the, steer the boat on this one because their defense is super bad. <laughs> Like this is just a no, thing. I mean, great offense, bad. super bad defense. They were 124th last year, also giving up 36 points a game. Uh, so they need huge, huge improvement to help their their big offense there. I mean, they have seven starters back. So if those guys can improve, that should help. But they replace got to replace all four of their defensive line front. They brought in a lot of transfers to try to plug in those holes. Same thing on the defensive back uh, group. They do have one defensive back that's potential all Big 12, Kobe Bryant, back there in the back. So they do have one should-be stud back there, but seven starters back replacing all four. It should be a little tough. But, yeah, it could be – very much firework games for them week in and week out trying to scrap their way to some wins. Yeah, this could be like those Mahomes tech teams where it's just like great offense, terrible defense. Very much so. Got an electric offense and and a quarterback and then a non-existent defense. All right, which leads to your last home game of the season and uh, an exciting game for your last home game of the season. The UCF Knights come to town, coming to Lubbock. Um, This is the first ever meeting between these two schools on the football field, so it'll be cool to have that one here in the 806. And, you know, for all those UCF fans who make it out here to get to see uh, West Texas in November, so welcome. Uh, to a true Big 12 road game where you have no idea what the weather is going to be. It's either going to be really nice, going to be freezing, windy, rainy. Who knows? Who knows in November? Uh, UCF last season, they were 8-4 and four in the regular season. They lost to Tulane in the AAC championship game, and then they lost to Duke in their bowl game. Um, so uh, didn't end the season too well, but overall a decent season for their last one in the AAC. Gus Malzahn leads the team for his third season as the head coach. Um, so, you know, welcome to the Big 12 UCF. Their offense, John Reese Plumley. he is the catalyst for how this thing goes. He is both a passer and a runner, dual threat quarterback. Threw for almost 2,600 yards last year, completed 63 percent of his passes 14 touchdowns to eight picks so those numbers obviously can get better especially in this uh big 12 where a lot of the defense we've talked about are going to have young inexperienced secondaries um he's going to need to increase those numbers but where he really uh beats you is on the ground he rushed for 862 yards last year and 11 touchdowns uh, was the leading rusher for the Knights. so 
Um, dual threat going to be a, a tough guy to defend. We always have problems with dual threat quarterbacks, so it'll <laughs> yep. be interesting to see how we're going to be able to defend him. But ultimately, it's going to come down to whether he can increase on his passing game, make those numbers better. But what's going to help him is that he brings back two of his best receivers from last year. So we'll have that experience, those connections that he's already built from a year playing with them. Brings back wide receiver Javon Baker, as well as their big play threat, Kobe Hudson. Uh, so those will be the two guys you're looking for on the receiving end. They also have tight end Alec Holler, who is a possible all-conference tight end candidate to watch for. So some weapons to throw it to. Uh, and some experienced weapons uh, as well. So that always helps. Uh, where they do beat you, as I mentioned, John Reese Pumley's rushing yards, well, they were also really great in the running game as well. They averaged 228 yards on the ground per game to finish ninth in the country last year. Uh, they've got a trio of running backs in R.J. Harvey, Demarcus Brown, and uh, Bowman, and Johnny Richardson, who are all going to be sharing carries, but are also all very good on the ground um, but all of that's going to have to be uh, pieced together by this lineman uh, by the lineman who they lost three starters from this might be you know one of the themes of this is all with all these really good deep offensive linemen this might be one of the big question marks of the big 12 at mm -hmm. that position is what are the knights going to do here they had to replace three starters and they had to turn to the portal they're really filling those gaps uh, but they do have two really good players returning, uh, Lakahi Polo Puwali. Um, I'm close. Uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of fouls in that name. Uh, he'll be one of the best guards in the Big 12, and then they have a stable vet returning in Tylen Grable. So they do have two guys to anchor that line. It'll just be dependent on the new pieces and uh, the the transfer portals that they had to hit to to fill those gaps. Defense, uh, another theme of a lot of these teams. It got ripped up several times last season, including in that AAC championship game against Tulane. Um, so that's going to be one of their big question marks is are they going to get better when they're facing you know, better offenses each and every week in the Big 12? Um, they potentially have a really good defensive line. It kind of remains to be seen. They have Ricky Barber and Josh Selisar who are – Experienced guys been with this team, um, but their big guy is Traymon Morris Brash. He will be their edge pass rusher, their Tyree Wilson type guy who they're looking for to get into the backfield, disrupt the quarterback, disrupt the run game. Um, and so they, they do bring in a potentially pretty good uh, defensive line. They also have a veteran linebacker room that's going to help stay, steady them as they get into Big 12 play. Jason Johnson was their leading tackler last year. And then their third leading tackler, Walter Yates, also are back uh, to lead that room. Uh, and their secondary is just kind of what we're used to with these Big 12 teams. It's going to be a lot of pieces that they're trying to fit in, young guys, uh, transfers that they're trying to get uh, to fill some gaps. They do uh, return uh, Brandon Adams at cornerback, and he's their best quarterback for sure. Uh, they bring in transfer from ECU and Jara Wilson, who looks to be uh, the part at safety. So they have some guys in the secondary that they're going to look for to make some plays, but it is a lot of inexperience back there. A lot of guys who are new at playing with each other and they lost their, you know, some of their really good uh, secondary players. So overall for the 
for the Knights, it's going to depend on the running game. Can they dominate the time of possession? Can they keep running for over 210 yards? Because that's the stat. When running for over 210 yards, they're 7-0. and uh, But they are 0-4 when they don't reach the 160-yard threshold. So uh, with UCF, if you want to beat them, you got to limit that ground game. Got to make them have to throw it. Make John Reese Plumley beat you through the air. And then you have a pretty good chance. So that will be your last home game against the UFC Knights. And then it's on to the big finale and the last possible meeting with those guys down in Austin. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving Friday, November 24th, you head to Austin for a matchup with Texas. End of the season, last game of the season. Should be a great, great matchup. Hopefully yeah. you are playing for a chance for the Big 12 title game here. Um, last year, Texas went 8-5 and five in a very memorable loss at the Jones to Texas Tech as B. John Robinson fumbled away their hopes in overtime, and Tech goes on to win. Win that one after a couple of miraculous fourth down comebacks in that fourth quarter to keep it close. Side note, um, real, real, I do believe we real like, quick, sorry. I, I started to rewatch that game the other day. Yeah. I totally forgot about the Aaron Judge cut-ins, and I just got re-pissed off about those. Remember last year he was chasing 61, and they would just like stop coverage and go to Aaron Judge's yeah. next strikeout or whatever? Oh, I totally got forgot about that. I got re-mad. I was like, oh, <laughs> damn it, they're making us watch this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sark comes back in his third year. I do believe Texas is up in the last 10, like 7-3 to three in this matchup. So you've gotten them a few times, but still don't have much of an edge on them. In our little trend of offenses here, they return 15 starters on both sides of the ball, nine offensive guys. They're going to be loaded on offense. They were good on offense last year, but when you was hurt yeah. a little bit here and there in his first season there, so he comes into year two, he's cut the mullet, so maybe he's trying to mature up a little bit um, on that side, but – Obviously, they got to replace B. John Robinson at running back. They're going to have a kind of trio of dudes that might do that. But expect more of a passing attack from the Longhorns this year with, obviously, Sark loves to pass the ball. Quinn Ewers has a great arm. But they have a really, really good O-line anchored by Kelvin Banks. They bring back Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington and more guys. Xavier Worthy is a first-team Guy. Kelvin Banks is the first team guy. Tight end Jatavion Sanders is the first team guy. All of them are back. So they're expected to have some big time yep. offense numbers, huge expectations. That's why they're picked to win the Big 12. They have the dudes there. Can they just put it together? Story of Texas life for the last 10, 15 yep. years. Um, defense is pretty good too, though. I mean, they lost a few good guys that we remember, but they do bring back senior. Linebacker, Jalen Ford. Their D-line brings back their three biggest dudes, so they should be get a lot of quarterback pressure, which they led the Big 12 in last year. And their DB group is very good and solid as well. So that's going to be a hell of a matchup, especially at Texas. They're used to these Thanksgiving games as well. They've been having them since the A&M days and even since then, uh, post-A&M. So they're used to it down there in Austin. We've played a couple down there. Hopefully we're playing for a chance at the Big 12 championship after this game. Yeah. Yeah, big one. It would be real exciting to have like 
us and Texas vying for that maybe last spot in the Big 12 title game, or who knows, maybe it's just a preview for the Big 12 title game. Um, maybe. Could be a lot riding on that game. How do you feel about the second half of this uh, this schedule for the Red Raiders? I think it's a lot harder. Obviously, that what we just mentioned was a lot of returning offensive yeah. guys, retar- a lot of returning linemen, a lot of good skill players are back. I mean, this is the the make or break side of your schedule. I mean, Texas is super hard. Kansas State, we just mentioned, always yep. is really hard. Jalen Daniels, you don't know what you're going to get from Kansas and how tough they're going to play you. Like so many good weapons and things to worry about and have to play week in and week out. I mean, it's starting to sound like a Big 12 basketball schedule a little bit yeah. of just every week is punches and punches and punches. Yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely a tough stretch. You got the two teams who played for the Big 12 championship last year. You got Texas. Oh, yeah. TCU yeah. played for the national championship. You got Texas, <laughs> who <Forgot> everybody's <laughs> favorite to win. Damn. You got <sighs> you got potential Big 12 player of the year at, at Kansas. And then, of course, you make your first trip ever out to BYU. Or, yeah. Um, and so, like, that's a pretty, pretty heavy slate to end the season. So, uh, I think a lot of your success rides on the first half of the season and how you do there and how you're able to kind of manage this back half of the schedule. So it's yeah. it's important to rack up a lot of wins early on because uh, it's going to be more difficult to challenge to do that in the second half of the season. Um, next yep. week, we'll come back and we'll discuss our best case, worst case scenarios for the Texas Tech's upcoming football season as we like to do. Uh, each year we'll do that in its own episode since we've already spent quite a bit of time discussing the football schedule Uh, but that wraps up our opponents breakdown we'll get into more of the texas tech side of things here uh, as football season nears and get to know our team our offense our defense and everything that you can expect to see this year at the jones and on the road but we got one more basketball hire to discuss before we get out of here for this week so let's welcome in the newest addition to grant mccaslin's staff well mccaslin has finished his basketball staff for this upcoming season with yet another uh, really good hire it looks like and that is kellen buffington he has been hired to what will be a general manager position for the Red Raiders. Uh, if you don't know Kellen Buffington, he has been one of the most respected basketball organizers in the state of Texas uh, over the last you know decade plus. He has been uh, putting together tournaments in Texas. He has a company, the TB5 Reports, uh, based out of Dallas. He is very well connected in the high school level. He has helped identify several NBA players, uh, the most notable Cade Cunningham, you're familiar with Keontae George. We were familiar with last year at Baylor. Um, there's a lot of other great players, uh, as well that he's been connected with. And so this hire was long speculated. Uh, there had been mentioned through, uh, Red Raider sports and other places that we were getting a big AAU basketball or- organizer who is going to have a lot of connections and get added to the staff. And so now that it's been finalized and now that we know who it is, Dustin, how you feel about Kellen Buffington being added to the staff? I'm excited that we have a full basketball staff. Finally in August, we did it. We're there. We can all go to work now, but this was the AAU guy we were waiting yep. on, which was kept in the dark really well. I mean, we heard rumors, but didn't know like Ooh, yeah. who it was or what it was. Cause he had to, Let's finish up the little summer slate that he had 
scheduled and whatnot um, and probably can't work NCAA and AAU at the same time. But like you mentioned last week when we hired Dave Smart, like everything that's come out about this is, wow, they got a good guy. Wow, he's really good. Wow, wow, wow. Like left and right, like praise for this hire and praise for Grant McCaslin and how much of a monster staff with these last two hires it turns out to be. Because, yeah, like you mentioned, he's been running AAU tournaments across the country, but mainly in Texas and is a huge guy in the DFW area and talent looking at that. And so for him to be able to get us in the door to some of these guys, Keontae George type players, Cade Cunningham type players, instead of them going to, you know, Baylor or Alabama or Duke, wherever they, who else wants to try to take them? We might have a conversation in that now, yeah, because he's got such such a reputation and, and history with some of these guys. So that's super, super good, and seems like a very, very good hire. I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I think this is out of the box kind of thinking too when it comes to yeah to a, a coaching staff and kind of creating an environment here. Um, I think it's definitely harder to recruit high school kids to Lubbock uh, when you're recruiting against the sure. likes of like the Dukes and. Uh, that you mentioned Kentucky's and stuff like that. Um, But this guy gets you in the room with those guys and he's been able to build some really solid relationships through his time there. And that's something that's really important to have. You're building uh, like an organization here. And and that's kind of like the, the theme that I've gotten from this uh, from these coaching hires is this isn't just like a coaching staff that we're building an organization. We're trying to build something that's going to be sustainable for several years and it starts with the coaching staff, and then they get you the players that you can bring in, and then they're going to be able to coach them up. You know, uh, we talked about Dave Smart a little bit last week, but we still didn't know a whole lot about him. But there's been like even more array of reviews on that hire. The Mark yeah. Titus show, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, Mark Titus, former player, um, now does a college basketball show. He had a guy on who was familiar with Canadian hoops and said, This is the Coach K yeah. of Canadian hoops, and this might be yeah. the best assistant coach hire of all time. Of all time. Ever. Um, and, yeah. and, of course, Kellen Buffington's got a lot of praise just because of of his connections, and a lot of people who know him are really excited about this hire. So it's really interesting to see these additions to the staff and what that will ultimately do. I don't think you'll see the dividends right away, um, but I think that's something that over like the next couple of years, as more players, as you're like, oh, we're in on this guy, oh, we're in on this guy, and as you get those recruits, you'll see – these uh these hires pay off but i really like it i really like that grant mccaslin's thinking outside the box not just uh hiring guys with big names you know shadow making a special yeah, guest special appearance guest on appearance. The youtube for everybody uh, getting getting involved in the podcast game uh, she's always been asking me uh, if yeah. she could have a special guest to get on. <laughs> so i guess i had a letter any other things you you want to talk about with uh kellen buffington or, or dave smart no man all right well that covers just about everything we had to talk this week we got our uh conference realignment talk out of the way actual news there to discuss so that was fun went through the second half of the football season and the latest addition to the coaching staff dustin any final shots for us this week yeah i have one and you can probably jump in for a little discussion on this so we've mentioned like big jersey people here throwback jerseys especially nfl's done Almost a great job. Colts ruined a hundred percent chance yeah. of that, of like throwbacks or new uniforms. 
There was one more throwback that got released like last week. The Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. The Oilers. You're going to do the Oilers throwbacks. I have a problem with this. What? What's your... That should be the Houston Texans throwbacks. Um, If you left that yeah. city and, and wanted to get rid of what you were, and then that city now has a new team, that's their history. Have you checked in with Roger and what does Roger say about this? Is he... I have not, but it's just we really bugging with, me that I don't think that's the Tennessee Titans jerseys to wear we anymore. They gave that our up. Resident Titans fans, <laughs> RC Maxfield and Roger, uh, see what where their thoughts. I don't mind because um, I like the jersey and it has a history with that yeah, franchise. Like it has no history with the Houston <laughs> Texans franchise because, but like you said, I also get the side of it like they picked up and moved away from Houston, and so that jersey shouldn't belong to them anymore but i don't think it should belong to the texans either because the texans don't you know came in as a completely new franchise not like a relocation franchise so it'd be kind of weird if they were wearing the unit the jerseys of like a another franchise's past i think they should just be gone for good leave them just they just die in the past they, they don't get to be brought back at all <laughs> by either franchise they are cool, though. I know. I think it would be weird. I don't really have any other final shot. Um, you know, not much going on other than kind of pay attention to what happens with Arizona and the Pac-9 and, um, you know, just just slow times, you know. Football's getting getting close. So, yeah. Football's getting close. Fantasy draft season's around the corner. So, watching, you know, NFL for – you know, you're starting to get some training camp videos and stuff like that, which are fun. Some sick catches, some Dak Prescott getting into it with Trayvon Diggs, some, you know, some stuff like that. Um, but other than that, it's a slow time. We're ready for football just as everybody else is. And we'll be uh, covering more and more each week as the football season approaches us. So make sure you are following the tailgate on Apple and on Spotify to catch Uh, Everything we're doing as Texas Tech's football season draws nearer and nearer. Uh, Also, follow our social media accounts. We are on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. We also have Instagram, Facebook, and a YouTube channel, so subscribe to that. And if you have anything you want us to discuss on the tailgate, questions, comments, anything, you can always email us at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. Thanks for talking some conference realignment with us, the second half of Texas Tech's football schedule and Kellen Buffington. Uh, And as always, we will catch y'all at the next Hellgate. Peace.